HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. Today is Tuesday, July 7th, 2015. We've got some special friends in the studio. Joe Carroll from Spite and Dival and Fetisau is going to talk about his grilling book. Kelly Taylor, president of the New York City Brewers Guild and Kelso Brewer. And uh, our good buddy Ben Keen, our uh, wingman tonight from uh, Beer Advocate Magazine. And some, some other special guests are joining us tonight. We've got some listeners from Sweden who are going to be in the studio with us, too. Beer Sessions Radio is brought to you by Union Beer Distributors, suppliers of world-class ales and lagers. If you have any questions for today, you can tweet us at beer underscore sessions. Maggie will be tweeting live in the studio. So here we go. Ben Keen, you're like my summer uh, wingman. How are I, you? I'm uh, going to call myself summer sidekick, I think. It summer. rolls off the tongue a little <laughs> bit better, but it's great to be back on the show. It's great having you in town, man. So you're the beer advocate editor, and uh, you've been living in Ithaca, and now you're here in Brooklyn for the summer? I'm in Brooklyn for the summer drinking Brooklyn beers, which I'm glad uh, to be speaking with Kelly. And then, you know, hopefully we can mix it up and uh, be enlightened about Cornell chicken at the same time and really kind of bring it full circle. I love that. So, Joe, um, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me back, Jim. You know, you've been on a lot and you're always one of our favorite guests. <laughs> Thanks, man. But uh, what, one reason we invite you on is your, is your, your book about grilling. Tell us about that. You know, you've been, you've been part of Fetisau and... There's yeah, kind of so of I have on. a barbecue restaurant and I have a grilling restaurant, I guess is the best way to describe San Anselm. And I started working on a book. A few people had approached me over the years about doing a book. And I really, honestly, my feeling was, who really wants to read a book by me? Like, honestly, what, what do I, you know, what do I have to say? They convinced me over, I don't know, a year, maybe, that I actually beers, had something to say. Some and Some beers, perhaps, yeah. Um, I had a book agent who convinced me to do this. And then I met Nick Fischold, who um, wrote the book with me, who quite honestly, if I didn't have somebody like Nick do work on the book with me and kind of help me th navigate the waters of doing a book for the first time, I don't know if I would have done it. Um, it's, you know, it's uh, an undertaking, man. It took like four years to do this book, and, but it was a lot of fun. 
you know, at the end of the day, it really was. It was very cool to do. And the book is kind of loosely based on all three of my places on the the cured meats and beer from spite and dival the smoked meats and whiskey from fetisau and the grilled meats and wine from saint anselm um but it's predominantly made up of recipes that come out of fetisau and saint anselm as well so the stories in this background and there's there's information about beer wine and spirit and all that but the bulk of the book are, are recipes based out of uh, well, that's bar- barbecuing. And so Feeding recipes. the Fire by Joe Carroll and, and, and Nick Foschel. We're going to talk a little about grilling and, and, and beer pairings on the show. So Kelly Taylor, uh, president of New York City Brewers Guild, but we know you as, as the great brewer from Kelso and Heartland and Greenpoint Beer Works. How are you, man? I'm doing all right. I'm happy right. July I'm Good Beer Month. Enjoying some lovely beers. It's a lovely beer kind of day. All yes, right. happy Good Beer Month. Yes, yeah, man. that's your kind of. Your so, what's going child. on with you? you, you you're opening there, a tap is there room. A bad beer month. <laughs> uh, bad beer month. Uh, no, right. <laughs> no, no, right. Exactly. Is it all the months with an, a vowel or a good beer months? What was that's, your question? I'm sorry. sorry. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's going on? Well, you, you know, open a tap room. Yeah, we got a tap room opening up at the show? brewery. Uh, <laughs> there's questions. There's answers. Uh, well, yeah, we're actually because uh, the law changed this last fall. We're able to serve beer by the glass in the tap room as opposed to just doing tastes and uh, selling beer out the door so we're actually putting a little bar in and so to uh, celebrate july good beer month after the show we're, we're gonna, going over to your, your brewery yeah we're gonna go over there and uh, have a pint six different beers on tap some uh, some specialty bottles and we took a lot of the beers that were aging in oak barrels we have 26 oak barrels uh, whether they're bourbon or some cabernet or whatnot and we've got beer aging in them and we use those as kind of the walls around uh, the framing in the space to keep it separate from the rest of the brewery but otherwise you're right in the middle of the brewery Nice. So, great. Looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah, there's no air yeah. conditioning, so uh, you know, but we have a nice cold pills. Cold beer. Time, so yeah, we're in good shape. And do you have somewhere in the facility cots for us if we're going to drink our way through no. six beers? And no, this is Brooklyn. You're going to have to go. <laughs> we're going to kick you out. Kick you out from the New street. Cali. It's called Uber. <laughs> yeah, Uber. we have Uber. They're cots. Uber. Kind of, they're expensive cots. Let's talk. It's July. Let's talk about <laughs> grilling and beer. So, Kelly. Um, did you make a beer for one of Joe's restaurants? Uh, we made a beer for Joe uh, a couple of times. We've done a few different beers for Joe over the years. Kelly's and done a few beers for Fetisau in particular, but this latest beer we did, we've, we're doing it at Spiten, Feta, and Anselm. And it's really for the book. Yeah. Well, really, it's for Joe. Well, really uh, it's, for you know, it's my Joe, personal beer. Joe, I, you know, somebody asked me this recently. Where did you sell your first keg of beer? And I said, I think it went to the Spoyton Doyle. Right. Um, and and so and Joe has been very supportive of, of local beer and just interesting beer. It doesn't always have to be local, but it, it you know he's always been very good at bringing in interesting stuff and having a really eclectic beer selection before that was the thing to have in the city. And so uh, as a result, uh, he's he capitalizes on the fact that he can call me and have me make pretty much anything that he wants. It's nice. <laughs> you know, so hey, I wanted this thing, and why don't you make it with, why don't you do, the one we did for Feta was a, a Pilsner Sauvignon Blanc hybrid right. beer. Exactly. <laughs> which Sauvignon is where Blanc I learned East. about, which is where I learned about the Nelson Sauvignon hops, which have that gooseberry passion fruity thing, which we use as a core hop in our IPA. I learned about that hop from, from that project with, with Feta. And then this one, you know, but it's fun because Joe comes up, he's like, I don't, you know, use salt and do these things and make it something wacky and, and I uh, said, why don't you do, I think you got the, uh, you were talking to Evil Twin at some point about the second runnings beer that he did. 
Uh, you get the idea of the of the table beer somewhere along the line. Yeah, I mean, I just thought for you know thinking of something interesting to do, something a little out of the ordinary, and that you know wasn't the beer of the the year kind of thing. Yeah, and Joe's really good know. at kind of rattling us out of complacency right. and just and throwing the book at it. And the nice thing is, is is that we'll do it and we'll talk about it, and then he'll buy it and sell it, and exactly, and, it's nice. and everybody's going to like it. And so ultimately, the consumer wins because they got people like Joe that are just turning the screws on people like us that sometimes just get comfortable making Pilsner, you know? So it's, <laughs> and the aforementioned barrel-aged stuff, which you'll see later. You can sleep on that, by the way. I was thinking about the cots. So you could go. probably lay some malt bags on yep. top of the barrels. And yep. I'm trying to hook you up. Don't worry about it. We'll get there. Do, do you make a lot of custom beers, Kelly, for uh, other restaurants and bars? We do make some custom beers for other for beer places, uh, bars and restaurants. I don't make a lot. I mean, I get probably a phone call a day from somebody that wants to do a, a special beer. But, uh, you know, sometimes we've had some a lot of successes with that in the past, and sometimes not so much where people think that they want to have a special beer, and then they we make it, and then they just don't sell it, or they, they don't really, they're not really into beer that much to begin with. So, it, so It's hard to it's move a hard thing. an entire batch of beer on your own with one outlet. So that's why, you know, having... Three outlets for us to move this beer makes it move a lot faster. I mean, we can move a lot of beer at Fet de Sal, granted, but still, it's it's hard. It's you know, it's a, quite a bit of beer, and it's not that you won't go through that beer in a year. Of course, you will, but ideally, you want to go through that beer in two months. Yeah, that's know, right? that's the other thing is you know, our half batch is twenty eight kegs of beer. That's the minimum amount it can really brew. So it's, that kind of whittles down a lot of a lot of places that want to have their own beer. You know, Jimmy's 43, for example, is not going to go through 28 kegs of one type of beer anytime soon. It's more of an eclectic beer selection that you've got down there, right? So you're not going to have somebody do a special batch, even though you might want it. You would want to have a special a keg. Home, a special homebrew batch. Yeah, you could do a special keg. And there's there's plenty of small micros in, in the city oh, yeah. of Nano's doing kind of homebrew, you know. Nano's homebrew, whatever. But so those are the things. But I, I can't do that, you know. So I need to have some some kind of volume because I don't want the beer. I want the beer to be great, and I don't want it to be. Oh yeah, I'll go through it eventually. <laughs> you know, that's right. not especially a three point whatever percent table beer. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then the table beer that we did for for the for the book or for Joe was the second runnings of the uh, industrial IPA. So wow. we t- did the first runnings, which is just basically just run that mash out and ferment that. You know, put some quite a copious amount, really a ridiculous amount of hops in it, and then ferment that out. And then we take the second runnings and put that into a fermenter. And um, we did a Saison with a little bit of Belgian yeast, and or with a little bit of salt, and uh, just made it really, it was about 3.9%, really, really light and delicate. We have another one in tank right now that is a single hop with Nelson Sovins and uh, a Kolsch yeast. Hmm. Same thing, just the so second what, running. What's the tie-in with the book? Well, the book is called Feeding the Fire, and the beer is called Feeding the Fire. And the beer really is, you know, as a table beer, meant to be consumed with barbecue and grilled meats and, you know, warm weather drinking and eating. Um, so is it, yeah, it's quenching. So it's, it's low alcohol. You could drink It's good for daytime drinking, mm-hmm. it's, which it's, is kind of my favorite drinking. Yeah, and the low alcohol <laughs> thing is important. The citrus component, floral, fruity, citrus, a little bit of salt, you know, that all ties right into to the grilling, you know, and then... Ideally, it puts out the fire. Ben, how do you go about pairing beer and, and food? I know you're doing some articles in Beer Advocate. Yeah, we uh, Beer Advocate introduced a new column um, called Table Mates, where we take a single dish and um, ask a restaurateur or a chef or a cicerone to match up three different beers with it and then talk about 
what those three beers bring out, you know, if they are um, complementary or if they contrast, that sort of thing. And I think it's really fun uh, to play around with for people. To The idea that there isn't necessarily one perfect food to go with one uh, beer and a one-to-one kind of thing. And to sort of get more used to the idea that, um, you know, a beer that has a lot of different things going on can play with all the different ingredients in a particular dish in a fun way, too. Um, so that's what we are going for with that. Um, and <clears throat> I think just looking for sort of surprising or unexpected um, experiences when we're commissioning those articles or thinking ahead about what haven't we done, I think that's fun. Um, what, I don't know. What, what, do you what were some that you've done so far? Give us an example. Um, so, so far we've done, uh, recently we did um, a Table Mates column uh, featuring a dish from Jimmy's number 43, uh, which were uh, wings in a Filipino um, sauce, I guess you'd say, uh, adobo wings. Um, and those uh, are a little salty. Um, they're not really spicy wings, um, but they have a savory quality to them and a little bit of sweetness and tanginess. And um, we paired them with um, two different sour beers. Um, and the third beer was an IPA from Other Half, as I recall. And so each of those, uh, each of those beers kind of accented something different in that recipe. So I think that's, that's what's fun and neat to try. I don't know, Joe, when you're thinking about um, ordering the beers that you're going to carry at Feta Sao, for instance, um, I presume that you are, part of it is driven by what you know the consumers are going to be interested in and it's going to move, but as far as thinking about um, how things will work with your menu, um, what's your thought process there? You know, it's, Fairly simple, really. Uh, first of all, I feel like beer is easily paired with most food, and most food is easily paired with beer. Beer and food go together extremely well, and it almost doesn't matter the the, <laughs> the food or the beer. They do really go together well. You almost never find yourself in a situation with beer and food that you can with wine where there's a clash. There's, there's flavors that are kind of fighting each other. Um, that doesn't really seem to happen with beer much. So it's a lot easier in my mind to, to pair beer and food, but... Um, you know, at Feta, because it's barbecue solely, there is a little bit to consider as far as that goes. So we really want low alcohol beers. We want really kind of crisp, quenching beers, um, a little bit of bitterness, um, a little bit of, uh, you know, hoppy bite or, um, or at least a really dry kind of astringency mm-hmm. that that's going to not only pair well with the barbecue, but really be kind of quenching and wash the food down and really be satisfying. Um, I find beers that are a little too rich in flavor or too high in alcohol um, do get in the way. They, they, they do start, you know, fighting for your attention against the barbecue because the barbecue is pretty intense between the, the seasoning and the smoke and the richness of the food and all that, uh, of the meat and the fat and all that. Um, it, you know, it, it can create a little bit of a, a fight as far as your attention goes, you know, yeah. if you if you go with a really richly fa- flavored beer or a higher alcohol beer. So that much is, is considered. And I think generally speaking, that's true with food. I'd stay away from the really high gravity stuff. I'd stay away from sweetness, obviously. So a lot of Belgian styles and imperial stouts and stuff would be out. Um, 
you know, for most savories. Some, uh, it's an interesting uh, discussion because uh, one of the beer dinner concepts that we like to promote you know, the standard beer dinners, five courses or four courses, and each course paired with a different beer. But I've talked to places, it's like, if I'm going to come to a, and walk people through a beer dinner, we can actually take it a different direction and just do one beer. Yeah. And, just, and just do the nut brown lager <laughs> and put it in different... Five different ways. And put it in different glasses and talk about how the, the glass actually changes the how the beer comes out. And then really let the chef go kind of nuts with maybe using the beer in cooking and just uh, in sauces and as a compliment, as a contrast, and let them build the food yeah. entrees around that. So, you or, know, or put it in an opaque glass and don't tell anybody that it's all nut brown. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> there you go. yeah. and then really have fun. Yeah. Well, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, I like uh, deceiving the customer first and <laughs> foremost. That's, that's a good concept. But, um, but it's been fairly well re- received because, you know, I'm sitting there walking people through it, so it's not... It's not like they, you know, they're like, oh, I'm getting stiffed. I just have this one beer, yeah. you know, um, and it's good for the restaurant, too, because then they don't have to try to curate, you know, four or five different beers yeah. from, from me. And uh, so that's, that's cool. But it's kind of the same lines because it does come off differently with different foods. You get some blue cheeses in there. It's going to come off completely different right. if you've got a nice red sauce and a little bit of garlic, you know, but it's, it's delicious with both. And that really is the type of beer that can... Pretty much go with anything. Yeah, I mean, well, that's why got, we made it. It's got the bitterness. It's got the malt. It's yeah. got you know. It's a nice clean. It's a lager <clears throat> right. finish, nice and clean. But yeah, but it's right kind of along the lines that you're talking about. Right. It's, it's very very. So simple. Can we get this beer? or Was it a one-off? That's the Kelso Nut Brown Lager. It's our flagship. Oh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> what about <laughs> the try it sometime? The table beer you made for Joe. <laughs> oh, oh, that one. Uh, I think that's gone. You guys drank. Oh, I that. I think we just went through our last. You drank this that. So when you make a special, Scott, when you make a special beer, why don't you keep making it? Like that uh, well, beer's not special anymore, right? <laughs> well, why? There's so Kel- many. Kelly's isn't there a shirt? So many beers, so little time. <laughs> you know, it goes for the brewer too. I know. I love. <laughs> another, and what's this? This is what your pilsner. No, I, I still want to do the the feta salve again. I want to bring that one back. That was, uh, hey man, that was a fun I'm one. I'm always I'm yeah. always game. Yeah, passion fruit juice, mm. chard and uh, pilsner uh, sauvignon blanc. We did another stuff. one called chard too with chard with chardonnay. Oh yeah, the chardonnay. That was the first one yeah, we did. Chard, has, uh, yeah. has Guy Fieri called you for his special beer yet? Uh, as Guy Fieri called me. Well, yes, it's made with peanut butter, bacon, marshmallows, right? and hamburgers. And special uh, super melty cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know? Don't tell me you're going to heat the beer and, and melt the cheese on top of it. I'm not going to do that. No. no. <laughs> no, no. Well, one thing I want to say, Joe, that you know, I always respect you because you, you, you keep coming on, man. I mean, you know, I remember your, your space next to Spite and Dival. You, 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 you took it over, you, you expanded your beer garden, and then you eventually put in the St. Anselm's, which right. blew people away with the grill menu. Thank you. You know, yeah. t- tell us how you started that place in terms of the, the food identity. Well, that was a pretty cool place. If you place. remember, St. Anselm was, was a failed place first. It's like a hot dog joint or something. <laughs> yeah. Which I was excited about. It was, it was like, I want to redo that. Like, I want to do that place again. It was just, yeah. we did this, like, hamburger and hot dog thing, which I loved, and I thought it was great. And, we did, like, we were executing everything great it was just so lunch driven and plus you you didn't have a liquor license there well we didn't initially (laughs) um at the time and i think it's still even true to this day there's not a huge lunch business in williamsburg most people are either sleeping past lunch or they work or they work in manhattan (laughs) um so there there's i mean especially six seven years ago there wasn't much of a lunch business but even today there's not um so it, it didn't really work out unfortunately but it gave me the opportunity to stop and rethink what I want to do there, come up with a different concept. And, and that was St. Anselm 2.0, which 
has done very well. Um, and really that, you know, the idea for, for that place came out of me grilling for family and friends in the summertime and just loving, like, getting amazing meats and, and sometimes very simple, inexpensive cuts, sometimes really extravagant cuts, uh, and just doing nothing but putting salt and pepper on them and, and putting a nice char on them and, and really enjoying that. And also from my years of grilling all sorts of oddball things like making grilled BLT sandwiches and things like that. Um, and it was a matter of just like, all right, let's, let's do a restaurant where 90 something percent of the menu is all on the grill, all hits the grill at some point. And you also had things like grilled sardines. Right. Yeah. And like our string beans are grilled and our cauliflower is grilled and, you know, things like that. So really pretty much everything except our mashed potatoes and one or two <laughs> other things. Are, I'll tell you, it's one, one of my favorite. I, I love Spiden Dow for beer, and I love St. Anselm's for food. So, Thank you. Hey, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. This one's called Cool Boy by Sleepies. Be right back. L. Knife and Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're celebrating. Everybody's back in tonight. Justin Kennedy's back. Maggie Seiden's back. Jack Inslee's back. And then we've got our special summer guests, Ben Keen, Kelly Taylor, and Joe Carroll. This is a cool show. We've got two guys here from Sweden. Uh, there, there's, I think Sweden's one of the top export markets for uh, craft beer from America. Chris and Robert, great guys. Uh, they've emailed me. They, they came by Jimmy's number 43 last night, so they're sitting in on the show. How are you guys? Hey, Chris, Robert. Hey, I'm doing really good. Yeah, man. It's awesome to be here. Meet you guys. It's no nice having you guys. tonight. Yeah, it's really awesome to be here. So where do you guys live in Sweden? Uh, basically one hour north of Stockholm. Stockholm. Yeah. And so you, so you say you, you, you get a lot of American craft beers in Sweden? Yeah, we have uh, hundreds more or less at the time being. That's great, man. Since we are second in the world. Well, Over thanks for coming on. You guys hang out with us. We're, we're, we're going to um, keep tasting beers, and we're going to talk to you guys more. So th- thanks for coming on the show. Sounds good. Uh, so, Ben, you, you brought a beer for us. Ben Keen, what are we drinking, bro? Yeah, so um, I uh, have been traveling down south a lot uh, this year and checking out the uh, beer scenes um, in all those states, I guess, 10 of them. And uh, so one of the places I went was uh, Tennessee. And in Memphis, there's a great brewery there called Wise Acre. Um, it's a super cool, uh, speaking of tap rooms, it's a super cool kind of psychedelic-looking space. They've got this great outdoor patio, 
it's in kind of a gritty part of the town. the kind of brewery where they have like a, a donkey's ass on the label or something? No, no donkey's ass on the label, but they do have a label with um, a unicorn on it. So, you know, kind of close. But this is called, this is a sort of a Belgian style trapel. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's got a decent body on it. It's sort of a deep gold. Um, it's a little bit on the sweeter end of things, um, but it kind of has a nice uh, drier. Belgian I did, like finish. You, did you say trapel? I did. Okay. I like that. Wiseacre triple. But you know, since we have Joe Kyle in the room, you know. Uh, but I love being corrected. But listen so to me. No, I'm not correcting you. I just know, but I just never. Usually people say triple, right? Yeah. I've yeah. heard tripel. Tripel. Yeah. I, I haven't heard tripel in yeah. a long time. Eh? Well, <laughs> well let's, let's ask Joe Carell because my next oh, segue is <laughs> despite his grilling and, and restaurants and all that stuff. I still love him as the guy who owns my favorite beer bar in New York, Spite and Dival, nice. which, uh, you know, which, echo- nobody, which nobody can pronounce. Yes. <laughs> right. How do you just pronounce that? It's Spite and Dival. But Kelly, you said it differently earlier. Yeah. I don't it's know, hard, it's I don't know hard how to pronounce to, anything. It's That's why I have Sonia. Resist the UI. The UI really messes with people. Spite and Dival. So right. what do you think of this beer, Joe? You know, um, you, you have, I know you taste a lot of Belgian beer. This is not typically, I mean, this is obviously an American version of this style. Um, not typically my favorite style of beer i always get a little dms in the style a little mm. of that canned corn kind of thing always in in triples and belgian golden ales which is not my favorite thing um so it's generally not my my style of beer that i would i would go for most times there was a time when i really did like this a lot um back in probably the mid 90s or something you know it's you go through it's like anything else you know music or whatever it might be you go through waves of loving something and then not necessarily loving it as much or you know finding something different and moving on and you know searching searching new ground for uh, for something different so at the moment the moment i'm all about drinking low gravity beers <laughs> and have been for a while in fact you know? he commissions them right <laughs> um Carell's Trapel. I, I haven't been into drinking high gravity beers since probably the early two thousands, and just after a while, you know, like anything else, I think most people, and I think it happens in, in the wine world as well. If you grow up drinking, uh, as you know, we did in our generation, drinking just commercial American lager um, or crap wine, then I think you're immediately drawn towards the really intense high gravity, you know over-the-top stuff right away because you're looking for something so radically different to, to like, really lame, insipid stuff that you grew up drinking. But over time, that, that fades, and then you, you, can, you start appreciating those lighter-bodied beers again and those lower-gravity beers again. You know, this is, this is a really interesting. I mean, I, I'm right there with you. I'm, I, I try, I'm, you know, most of the Kelso stuff, we try to make it more sessionable and, you know, Five and a half percent, or somewhere around there. But this is a really interesting. It's very perfumey and bright and floral, and and I wouldn't have guessed it's about ten percent. You know, mm. by tasting it, it tastes yeah. maybe seven or eight, right. maybe. Yeah. You know, so it's it's fairly smooth and it's yeah. effervescent. And I just I like that. There, there's a there's some depth to this, and I always like a beer that's got a little bit more depth than a little. It's bit more obviously character. well made, and it's got yeah. a nice balance of bitterness to yeah. counteract some of that that sweetness. So there's no question it's really well made. It's just stylistically not my favorite type of thing, but you could tell it's it's a really well made beer. Yeah, and it's very somebody knew what they were doing. Yeah. The, the brewer went to Doimans in Germany. If I'm pronouncing that right, I don't know, Kelly. Uh, I don't I'm know. Not, I'm that, not German. My wife is. <laughs> Well, now, since we're, since we're doing the high ways. gravity, so uh, Chris and Robert from Sweden, you brought us 
what? Some Swedish. It's a double IPA. Tell us the name of the brewery, Chris. Yeah, the name of the brewery is uh, Bruski from uh, southern Sweden. And uh, this is their double IPA infused with uh, mangoes. Really, really lovely. Nice American-style IPA. And I hope it holds up so you guys do so get you, to you get You brought some. this on the plane with you? Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you come to America... What are you looking for? Now you, you've been to what? Maine. We went to Maine Beer Company, Hill Farmstead, New England Beer Company, and uh, Trillium up in Boston. And basically, just been looking for great craft beer. N- no special style for that sake. I mean, I prefer everything. <laughs> if it's good beer, it's good beer. Are there any breweries you're looking for in particular? Uh, actually, no. We've been we've been on the east coast, on the northeast coast. So nothing that you know you've you've heard of in Sweden that you can't get there. That you came here and you were like, yeah, we got it. We got to hunt that down and try it. Trillium was one. Night shift was one. Really, you heard of both of those places in Sweden? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a global market. They're, they're little breweries. Very they're very breweries. very small. Yeah. Maine as well. And who impressed you the most so far of the places you visited? For me, I'd say Trillium. Okay. Their hoppy beer's been amazing. They really know their hops. Not very, very good balance. And, and what places are you visiting in New York City? Actually, here's been mostly just bars. I mean, we went to your place, Jimmy's number 43, yesterday. And we went to the Pony Bar. Going to, we went to Draft 55. Looking to go to... I hope to go to Spide and Dive as well, of course, since I heard from it. And... Uh, Barcade, we're going to Luxus, to Thirst. Just trying great beers all around. Right, well, thanks for coming. I, I, I like this beer. It, it, it's pretty fresh. The Mango Double IPA. Kelly, what do you think of it? It's, uh, it's very refreshing. It's, it's always tricky using fruit like that and, and having it come off, not cloying, not too sweet, not not taste all extracty. And it just... First thing I tasted, I was like, oh, mangoes. <laughs> you know, it's, well, yeah, it's nice. It's fruity. You know, I'm not a big, you know, kind of echoing what Joe was saying earlier, not my style. I'm not a really a big fruit beer person. I don't really go for that kind of thing. But but it's nice. It's, you know, I can have a small glass of that. When Joe was joking happy. earlier about making a peanut butter beer. Could, could you make a peanut butter beer? It's oh, been done. Yeah, we made we made a, a peanut porter a number of years ago. Um, we called it the Dunkel Nutter, <laughs> and uh, it was sure. it was basically a brown porter with uh, defatted peanut flour. You can get it from bakery stores, so the the, the fat messes up uh, the the head retention and the and the texture of the beer. So you can get defatted. It also messes up baking. So you need if you want to have use peanuts but not have the fat, you can get this defatted flour. So we use that. Um, but evidently, then your whole brewery is an allergen center, and you have to put the labels on everything and the maiden process. You could kill somebody if they're not paying attention. Um, but it was it was really nice. It was a, a definitely a one pint kind of thing. It was kind of a <laughs> chocolate peanut kind of combination. But a, a lot of bartenders uh, around town started putting hits of Chambord in it and calling it PB and J's. Somebody in Boston did. Uh, years ago, a decade or more ago, I had a um, peanut butter and jelly beer. Somebody from, yeah. uh, I forget what brewery in Boston did, up at Extreme Beer about a decade ago. Yeah. So, yeah, people Was it Funky that. Buddha? I don't think so. It was, no. uh, there's, it's a brewery. I'm they have forgetting one. name, but I no think No Crusts, they call theirs. No Crusts? Yeah. <laughs> and are they in Boston? No, but they come to uh, our Extreme Beer Fest every year. So, yeah. I'm just guessing. I don't know. Yeah, these guys were definitely in Boston. I want to say, say they were near Fenway. 
but I can't remember the name of the brewery for some reason. Was it a Boston Beer Works? It might have been. Yeah, it might have been Boston Beer Works. That's the only yeah. brewery near Fenway. Yeah, I think that is it. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Mystery solved. Yeah, absolutely. Switch up the mics, boys. Bring them back. <laughs> what happened? What happened? Where, where, where? We got a lot of people in this room tonight. So peanut butter beer, and uh, you must experience a lot of stuff. I mean, as a beer advocate editor, first, yeah, I, I know you are. a long time, so we're buddies, and you know, but it, it seems that you must be. Get, how many balls of beer do you have in your apartment? I mean, well, at the moment, not that many because um, I'm subletting in Brooklyn. <laughs> Um, and uh, so everything's a little smaller in Brooklyn, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I except for the beers, except for the beers. Um, yeah, I travel a lot, and I try to pick up beers from all over the country that I don't have access to back in New York. Um, I get samples every once in a while, and and I just I love trying new things. So you know, I've never had mango fever double IPA or Feber. I don't know. Fever. Which is Either nice. one's fine. Um, and uh, that's fun. Um, so I'm always looking for, you know, every time I go to Jimmy's, I'm going to order the thing on tap that I haven't had before. And um, that just kind of helps me keep some sort of sense of what's going on in beer because it's I'm, I'm going to do a plug here. Changing. Since on uh, Nico Cremitas, he's, he's a beer writer in New York, who writes for different edible magazines and Brooklyn magazine. He's also the, the guy, part of this Craft Beer New York app, and they came out with a map, the Craft Beer New York map, and we had a little party last Thursday for, to launch July Good Beer Month, and what's great about Nico is that Nico is like, when he does something, he wants a specific beer. So the beers he brought in were beers that I never would have had. So he brought in uh, Threes, uh, which is a great new brewery in Gowanus, Brooklyn. Jeff O'Neill, who was formerly at Peekskill, made a beer called Just Add Water, which is it's, it's a nice, to me, it's like a fresh hop ale. But he calls it an IPA. His friends out in Farmingdale, Long Island at Barrage, uh, it was the first time they had a keg in, in Manhattan, and they have a thing called Yada Yada Yada, which is actually a peanut butter brownie. Oh, wow, there which we go. Is, and the third one was he, he got a sour beer from Finback that I hadn't tried either. So it's just a shout-out. But for July Goober Month, some cool things are happening, and I think Nico Kremitas is a great guy. But check this yeah. out, the craft beer map. In the craft beer app, so I don't know, <laughs> but that's it. We'll take a short break. We're back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Well, thirty thousand feet, so a long way down to fall. She can bet on my way down. I was sure to count them all. Now and then, I sort of did regret my choice to fly. Ryan lost my luggage, and I was gonna die. It happened to me. This one's called Banjo Pickin' Man by the Sparrows. Be right back. I saw a few more poor unfortunate souls who had no water conscious thought. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We got some awesome things going on today. We got some Swedish beer in the house, men's goal. Our boys Chris and Robert, great listeners from Sweden. They're in New York. They were doing an East Coast tour, right? You guys went to Maine, Vermont. Now you're in New York City. Thanks for coming on the show. 
And uh, Kelly, we got one more beer from you, man. So, so the, is it true that these guys brought your Kelso Flemish? No. From Sweden? No. It's no. Not, not true. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I brought this. It was like, guys, I, I, I think took this Sweden, like two miles from Chris here. Chris and Robert know more about American beer than, than I do. Maybe not as much as Ben Keen, but. <laughs> yeah, sure. They brought it. They brought all their beers from Sweden. See that? See? No, no, but this was here. This came from my cellar. This oh. is this is good. This is this is our Flemish red. Uh, we've got a new one treat. coming up this fall. This, this one's been uh, aged for two years, and uh, we have another one coming. This is like here. your last bottle, uh, second to last. So there's one more at the brewery for those of you that come over later and try out our. New I think taste. I got about six bottles in the cellar. Oh. Away. <laughs> so Joe, where do you sell? Do you sell at Spite and Dival or your own? Yeah, at Spite. I mean, I I have some of my own stuff, but you want one? Yeah, please. But I um, yeah, most of the stuff I keep at Spite and absolutely, yeah. To you, is Spite and Dival still your kind of your beer temple? It's funny. It's it's the place that I still pay the most attention to. It's the place that I still put the most work into. Because it, it so much of it is based on what I want in there. So I really have to manage the list on a weekly basis. And there's always specialty stuff that I'm, you know, dealing with and, and buying months out before it even gets here. And... Um, you know, I'm, I'm the one bringing stuff up from the cellar little by little, you know, uh, the specialty stuff. So I'm still involved with Spiten more than I am on a, on a daily or weekly basis than any of my other places. Um, it's really, that said too, it's also the thing I know the most about. I'm not, I'm not a restaurant guy. I'm not a front of the house guy. I'm not a chef. I'm not, I'm not any <laughs> of those things. I mean, I've done it all and I can, I can Except some that you, of the, you are, though. You kind of are not, a restaurant guy. Really. Kind of, I hate to tell you this, but you I'm kind of really. are a restaurant I, guy now. But, I mean, I'm not, I, I didn't grow up working in a restaurant. I didn't get into restaurants until I opened Feta Sal, really. I mean, even Spite and Dival is not a restaurant. So a lot of that stuff I'm still learning and I'm still, I'm still fairly green at, actually. The, the, the front of the house, if I was the guy on the floor running the restaurant, it's not going to do as well as other people who really know what they're doing. But I do know beer, and I do know wine, and I do know food, and I know that stuff, and I know I know what it is I'm trying to achieve at these places. So that's the type of thing I'm still really involved with. And so that's why on a weekly basis, the the beer list at, at Spite and Dival, the wine list at St. Anselm, is, is still my fingerprint. Joe, I have a question. Speaking yeah. of uh, beer and food, uh, I believe um, I have not seen your book in in physical form, um, but I was reading about it, and I believe there's a recipe in there for uh, steaks that have been brined in a stout. Right. In so I'm curious um, when you decided to put that in there, um, and as people are starting to use the book that's been out for a month or so now, what sort of stout... So, would you recommend? What would so be great this, um, with that recipe? This recipe is based on a very old recipe that Frank um, Frank Carlo, I believe his name is, from uh, Hearth Restaurant, mm-hmm. um, kind of rediscovered and started doing. Um, and that is a really old Roman steak recipe that gets aged in wine and a lot of old kind of medieval spices and so forth. Yeah, and yours has cinnamon and nutmeg. Right, so, it, right? so our version is, or the version that we do in the book, is, is kind of a, an English riff on that. So instead of using wine, we're using imperial stout. And, um, okay. and again, a lot of the, the same kind of medieval spicing. The, the cut of steak we use as well is, is very English in that it's rump steak, um, <laughs> which is something they eat a lot of in the UK. We don't really eat much of here. And I, I like using imperial stuff because of the higher alcohol and the intensity of flavor and so forth. I think it comes through much 
much better than a traditional English stout ever would, which uh-huh. is only about 5% in alcohol. Um, so it needs the higher alcohol of the Imperial Stout. It needs the, the concentration of the Imperial Stout to really, you know, work its so magic. So you're like basically cook with uh, high alcohol beers and drink the low alcohol Right, beer. right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's the takeaway. I mean, I love, Imperial, I love Imperial Stouts. I do, actually. But, you know, I'm not going to drink much of it. I'm going to have a glass, you know. So do you ever do, do beer dinners? I mean. We don't. You know, at, at Spiten, there's really no type of dinner food. At Anselm, it's so wine-driven. We've done one wine dinner ever there with Sean Thackeray. And quite frankly, I've, I would never have done it if it wasn't Sean, who hadn't been in New York City in a decade and chose our place to come to and, and do this dinner. Um, it, you know, mostly because our places aren't physically set up to do so in a really good and logical way. So it becomes a little weird and a little awkward to do them there. Um, I think if I had, if the physical layout of, of St. Anselm, let's say, was a, a bit better, we could do more of these dinners. We're also kind of slammed every night, so it always it's always weird for me to, you know, hold up normal service to do a specialty service and, and that kind of stuff. So I just kind of let it roll. It's kind of like if you're, you're sure running a restaurant, you gotta, you got to run your restaurant. Exactly, yeah. At Samia... Um, a newer place that we opened back in October that's only 18 seats. Um, wow. We're just now starting to do some, you know, plan some beer and wine dinners. You know, and one thing that is, is interesting, I don't know if you thought about it, but something that the some other restaurant groups in the city have done is um, had, for the beer dinner, have just do a prefix. Mm-hmm. You've got to lay out a prefix, and you say, oh, here's a prefix menu. Right. And, and that's you, what we did for this wine dinner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and I've done those, and it makes a lot more work for me. Right. <laughs> you know, because you know, not everybody's sitting down and having the same thing at the same time. By the time you know, 9 o'clock rolls around, I've got these guys having starters and these guys having dessert and everything in the middle. So I'm running around kind of. Oh, because it start. It's just it's come, come as you are. But come as you are. Deal. Here's right. the menu. Yeah, that's tough, though. Yeah, right, so you, we you. see you do some right. reser- reservations on right. it for the prefix, so you know you have like five tables to start. But then over the right. course of the night, you wind up having forty covers right. on the thing, which is brutal on me. But it's but it's an interesting sure. kind of extra thing that mm-hmm. the places that have similar setups where they can't really do this, the full sit down thing, or they don't want to do the full sit down thing, but they want to do the dinner. You know, it's it's an interesting thing, and you know, I, I have fun at it. But at the end of the night, I'm beat. We've been very lucky <laughs> you know? at Saint Anselm in that we only have 47 seats there, and we are booked like packed every night. Right. So if that were wasn't the case, then I'd be much more inclined to hey, let's let's do something interesting here. Let's you know try to bring people in on a Monday night kind of thing. Um, but because it's so busy every night, I, I, I almost feel like I'm hurting myself by doing right. Yeah, like and that. there's no real compelling you know? reason yeah. to do it. I mean, because you have a great beer selection. Anyway, right. you said you're a wine place, but you go in there and there's right. beers that I've never seen. before. Yeah, we try to. I mean, obviously, <laughs> we try to have great beer unless well. I made them. It's just less of the focus. <laughs> Even then, it's hard to find. Right. <laughs> you know? So we could just if I, if I was coming from Sweden, I could just come to New York and do a Joe Carroll tour. So it'd be I'd get beers at Spite and Dive. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe barbecue at Fedasa. I got five places well, in, and in it's all within, right a, within 50 then yards Then St. Andrews each other. for dinner. <laughs> right. Samia on the next night because oh, yeah, they want right. vegetable-driven. Yeah, that's that's actually want. the place I want to go is Samia. I haven't been there yeah. yet. Come, please. Yeah. Vegetable-driven menu, but there's still meat. Yeah, it's not vegetarian. We The, the chefs, my partners there, use protein for stocks and reductions and all sorts of different things. And sometimes actually on the menu, too. Um, sometimes as a small little piece of a dish, sometimes as the main focus of the dish, but it's really a restaurant that's driven by vegetables, hmm. though it's not vegetarian. If, if uh, Ben was going to come and do a beer advocate focus piece on one dish from any of your restaurants, good question. 
and then pair it with different beers. What what dish would you say tonight, Ben? I want you to try this dish, and then we'll pair it with like twenty beers. That's what he really does. <laughs> He'll sit down and taste twenty beers. No, I think like maybe the ribeye at at Saint Anselm because it's it's such a distinct flavor and 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 something also a flavor that most people get too, like you know salt, pepper, and, and beef. Um, it's really that simple, so it's very focused flavor. But that said, you can go in so many different directions with it. You can go from a sour beer to a pilsner to a stout, and mm-hmm. all will work well with it. Mm-hmm. Is that the, that's not the axe handle. Yeah, the axe handle. That's the axe handle. Yeah, bone and yeah. so when, when, when I go there, I'm going to have the axe handle and the cream spinach. Nice. And that's, you know, and that's, what's that's the beer? Everything, what's that? What's the beer? I don't know. I have no idea what he's going to have on tap. So <laughs> you know, I'm going to go through, and I'm probably going to have three beers. Um, sure. One of the it, few taps that we've had on consistently since we've opened is Monkshoff Schwartz beer. Right. And I think yeah. that, uh, that oh, yeah. that's right like perfectly in the middle and very similar to what you said about your nut brown ale and that kind of nut hits brown on lager. Uh, nut brown yeah. lager. Yeah. Very, very correct. Right. Um, in that it hits all those points. It's light and easy drinking and crisp, but it's also got this malty structure to it that kind of gives it a little backbone. Yeah. I think actually a lot of times when I go there, I wind up drinking wine. Right. I mean, cause it's, it's a tremendous wine selection yeah. as well. And, um, you know, I'll have a beer to start and then move on to wine, then go back to beer and then move on to wine. And, Kyle, let's jump back to you. So you're, you're <laughs> from uh, Pacific, Uber, once wait, again. Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Can you show us a photo tonight of what your dad just caught some Dungeness crabs? Yeah, I'll see if I can look that up. There. Okay. Yeah. So Dungeness <laughs> crabs, let's do the same thing. So Dungeness crabs, first of all, how, how would you cook them? Well, Dungeness crab, you know, it's the West Coast crab and it's it's got a lot of meat in the legs a lot of meat in the body um and if you get if you get those suckers fresh uh they all you need to do is boil it you just, you just boil them for 10 minutes pull them out and shuck them and they they taste like butter already you don't have to don't put any lemon on them don't don't dip them in butter you're just going to ruin the dang thing nothing you, you, nothing just just pull them out and just eat them and then if you get them a day old you know, from the grocery store, or you can't eat all these dang crab because they're, they're just going nuts. Then, uh, then you can hit them with a little bit of butter, or you shuck them all out, roll them in breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs and parsley, and, and some salt and pepper and stuff, and make crab cakes out of them. And then you patty them up and then fry them in light. West Coast style. Yeah. Oh, West del- Coast delightful. crab cakes. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I'm from Maryland, so yeah, but we don't use have it. to talk about this later. Yeah, well, we don't use any don't use any of those spices that you need to use to disguise your crab in Maryland. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Ours is all you know, pure in it, purity. So what, so what 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 beers would you pair with a Dungeness crab? Uh, I know yeah, Joe has a suggestion. Yeah, you know, I he's would. Smi- he's smiling here. Yeah, I, I mean, I would do a uh, nice crisp Pilsner. To start off with, um, or IPA, just just nice a nice West Coast IPA, big bold citrusy, not the really bitter hop bombs, but the the back back note, all the hops in the in the whirlpool and the dry hopping, where you get all that rich hoppy texture to it because it's just it's just a nice the bright, orange and grapefruit. Oh yeah, 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 nice big. So you want that that citrusy component to it because it, it really you know, the, the the crab really have that flavor to them to begin with. Yeah, I'm getting really hungry. <laughs> and luckily, we're at Roberta's in Bushwick, and I know there's something. There's probably a good steak waiting for me out there and a pork right. chop. And, and last note, Chris and Robert from Sweden. So you guys, a typical Swedish dish, let's say we're going to drink drink a good beer. What's a typical Swedish dish and, and a Swedish beer you'd pair with it? Or an American beer? Typical Swedish dish. We're famous for the IKEA Swedish meatballs. 
And what, oh, come and on. What, beer, what beer would you drink with it? What do real Swedish people eat, though? Actually, herring? most d- really, yeah. Herring. Herring, yeah. Herring, yeah. yeah. Pickle herring. Yeah, there's a festival, isn't there? Yeah. I love your cloudberries. Oh, they are awesome. They're delicious. Yeah. Wait, Chris, so Ikea meatballs. I Swedish meatballs. I, I'd go beer. with a brown, a brown ale. And good, then give me a, sweet, a Swedish brown ale and an American brown ale. First thing I think about in Sweden is the Popel's brown ale from uh, Gothenburg, actually. And, and what about you, Robert? You got one in mind? I think the Popel's. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and then what about an American beer that you like? Because we're almost out of time. We have to go with uh, Kelso Nut Brown Lager. Nice Yay! one! <laughs> well, that's, how, that's how you make friends. And I will say this. We love that we have... You can come to the brewery later. <laughs> listeners. I guess we have listeners in Sweden now, too. Now. We know we've had listeners in Germany and England and, and around America. So, Chris and Robert, thanks so much for coming on. In. And, Bennett, anything else you want to say? You're here for the summer in Brooklyn. I'm here for the summer. I'm, uh, I'm just like uh, Jimmy's little intern, following him around. If he needs a cup of coffee... You know, that ribeye, I'm going to go get it for him. That's what I want. All right. And Kelly, right. what are we doing <laughs> after the show tonight? Well, we're going to go over to the, uh, the brewery and check out the new tap room. That's brilliant. Yeah. And Joe, I, you know, I know you're very busy. Where are you going after the show? And you can tell us the truth. Uh, I'm going to um, the McCarran Hotel and Pool, where I just opened a new restaurant called Oleander's. And we're now um, in the middle of turning over the rooftop lounge into our own space as well called Xanadu. Um, <laughs> is that why so you're wearing the Cheech and Chong shirt? Um, no, not exactly, but I guess it does help. <laughs> um, so I'm going over there to, to check in and check out some stuff. All right. And our, our plug, it's it's a 7th annual July Good Beer Month, and everyone in the room has been part of it at some point over the years, and it's still going strong. Some special things, there's the still the WNYC, the Craft Beer Jam at the Green Space coming up. But uh, in particular, this weekend, our good friends Jessica and Johnny, uh, Beer and Beer United, uh, the last few years they've been representing different Spanish craft beers. And it's a very low-key promotion this week from July 7th to 14th. It's tied in with the Pamplona running of the Bulls. It's, they've got some Spanish craft beers in different uh, New York City pubs like Jimmy's Number no. 43, Proletariat, San Cambrinus, Blind Tiger. We're, we're going to be featuring some, some Spanish beers. And this Saturday I put together an event called uh, Running with the Beef. Cookout NYC. It's cookoutnyc.com. It's at the, uh, it's in the, it's in Manhattan. It's the same place that Zum Schneider does their World Cup and some other things. But check it out, cookoutnyc.com. We still get tickets. It's this Saturday. It's an awesome outdoor beef grilling event uh, with uh, Spanish craft beers and some six point two. So you can check out more at uh, goodbeersteel.com. It's July Good Beer Month. We'll be doing things all month. I'd like to thank our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors who have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Joe, Kelly, and Ben, and Chris and Robert from Sweden for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. Thank you, Jimmy. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie and Justin Kennedy and our engineer extraordinaire Jack Inslee. Thanks for listening. We'll see you Woo-hoo. next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Yeah, baby. Woo. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.